Hey everybody, sadly, due to technical issues, the episode's covering not only the finale of the Shipful arc, but also the introduction of a new player and character have been corrupted. Damn scrap code. But, to make sure you miss none of the story, we've made this, a summary of the missing episodes, as read by Radio Rob, Games Master of the Only in Death RPG podcast, now available on iTunes. So, without further ado, here is the climax of In the Shadow of Shipfall. The Tritone Gambit, Lost Episodes, reading by Rob Farker. Following the mysterious contact from an unknown party seeking shelter from the Foundry, the Acolytes were informed that they should also flee the Mechanicus Enclave, seeing that the Foundry had just issued a bounty on Cadis. Despite the Acolytes' careful planning, Foundry Head of Security Gerard Vasseur had spotted the recognisable form of Cadis on the security feeds. One does not simply forget the person who set one on fire, after all. Finding themselves suddenly in potentially hostile territory, the Acolytes were advised to head to the Lookout Tavern, an accorded neutral zone in Shipfall. The Guardians of the Tavern tolerate no violence on the premises, which, the party hoped, would give them time to plan. To reach the tavern unmolested, though, they needed a disguise for Cadis. Anya struck upon the idea of hiding the tower in Cadis under a tarpaulin. One was liberated from a nearby cargo container and wrapped around the feral guardswoman, and the servo-skull messenger balanced on her head to act as a face whilst they guided her to the tavern. On the way, the party received a communication from Master Johnson, informing them that they were to begin procuring items to outfit the safe house he had been sent to establish. Upon arriving in the lookout tavern, they met a friend of their mysterious contact, one Silveria Aurelis, another inquisitorial adept, and the Tritone Gambit's new player character, a scribe, played by Ben. She revealed that their mysterious contact was a tech priest seeking to flee the foundry and its suspicious and sinister superiors. With few options, the acolytes accepted Silveria's help and left to give the adept time to contact the tech priest, one Magos Tektor. Silveria outlined the situation to Tektor, and despite their misgivings, the duo agreed that the Acolytes were their best chance to escape shipfall. 
Whilst grabbing a quick drink, the party was approached by a messenger from the Silver Lining Company, who wished to parley outside the lookout tavern. Properly paranoid, the acolytes refused to leave the safety of the tavern and its guards. The messenger demanded to know the location of Cadis, so that the Silver Lining could collect the bounty on her. When the acolytes played dumb, with Cadis standing right there amongst them, still in disguise, the messenger informed them that the foundry had also issued bounties on each of their heads. Nonetheless, no one bounty was as large as the one on Cadis, and the Silver Lining Company was willing to let the rest of the party go if they handed her over. The acolytes still refused to betray one of their own, and so the session ended with them resolved to go to the Cockrita Marauders for help, bargaining on Cadis's reputation with the gang to give the acolytes a favourable welcome. The following session began with the party in transit, with Rosa interrogating Silveria, or Sylvie as she preferred to be called, as to her purpose in shipfall. Sylvie interrogated Rosa back, and both women danced around the truth until Cadis got fed up, pointed out that Rosa and Sylvie were acting suspicious, and told them to knock it off until they reached the marauders. Sylvie, wishing to be helpful, offered the suggestion of meeting directly with the leader of the marauders, one Corporal Calizo. The other acolytes agreed to this idea upon realising that Cadis's reputation amongst the marauders as a champion could be enough to permit them an audience. To capitalise on this, the team chose to head for the arena and tried to make contact with the leader of the marauders there, but upon arriving they found the majority of the gang being led in a prayer session by Sister Belinda, a former sister of battle and overseer of the pit fights. After waiting respectfully for the service to end, Cadis and Rosa stepped away to speak with Sister Belinda, whilst the rest of the party was approached by their prior acquaintance, Carlo, with his silent companion in tow. Shah swiftly explained the situation to them, how Cadis was in trouble and needed the assistance of the marauders. Carlo pointed out that despite the status Cadis had as a champion, the marauders were unlikely to go to war with the foundry over an outlander. With no other choice, Shah revealed that the acolytes were members of the Inquisition. Carlo asked for proof, and although Rosa carried the necessary identification, the party began arguing whether it would suffice. Sighing at their antics, Sylvie produced the inquisitorial sigil she had been assigned before her deployment in shipfall. Suitably convinced, Carlo agreed to lead the acolytes to the leadership of the marauders. Satisfied with this turn of events, the group called Cadis and Rosa back and went on their way. Carlo swiftly led them down a set of guarded, twisting corridors and left them at the entrance to Corporal Calizo's office. Upon entering, Shah quickly recognised Calizo as the man she had stolen the deed to a house from. The corporal was at first somewhat cool to his visitors, until Anya explained that they were members of the Inquisition and that they needed the marauder's help resolving a sudden situation. Cadis explained that the foundry had put bounties on their heads, making it more difficult for them to achieve their secret mission. Also, 
Any help from the marauders would have to be subtle, to avoid compromising the Inquisition in shipfall. After checking the Acolytes' Inquisition IDs, the Corporal led them to a cleaner private office to continue their discussion, where Cadis removed her disguise and asked for the marauders' help to deal with the bounty. The Corporal agreed to aid the Acolytes, but then received word of sudden activity at the foundry. The Archmagos's shuttle was being prepped for launch, Apparently, the Archmagos and his lieutenant, Gerard Vasseur, were attempting to flee shipfall. With time running out, the Acolytes resolved to storm the foundry and capture the head heretics before they could make good their escape. While Rosa and Cadis stayed with the marauders as the gang prepared for battle, Shah, Anya, and Sylvie made for the lookout tavern to try to obtain assistance from the neutral parties there. On the way... They were ambushed by the Silver Lining Company, who sought to claim the bounty on the Acolytes. After a brief firefight, the trio of Acolytes fell back and took an alternate route to the bar, slipping past the Silver Lining's cordon. And so the session ended, with the party split, and on the front lines of a gang war. The final session of the Shipfall arc opened up with Shah and Anya grabbing drinks at the lookout tavern, whilst Sylvie went upstairs to see the person in charge of the establishment, one Irene Misaki. Sylvie was led into a fancy lounge on the upper levels, but felt strangely numb as she crossed the threshold into the room, seeing a fancy throne on a raised dais, bedecked with a variety of trophies and banners. Misaki herself sat on a couch, upon which she invited Sylvie to sit and present her business. The scribe explained the plan to strike at the foundry and capture Gerard. Misaki seemed uninterested until Sylvie produced her Inquisition ID. Seeing the sigil, Misaki agreed to help in return for safe passage out of the Kizin sector for herself and her followers. Sylvie accepted Misaki's terms, and with that, Misaki's gang, the Tigers of the Lookout Tavern, threw their lot in alongside the Marauders. Back in the depths of shipfall, the marauders finished their preparations. Tektor provided a voxlink from the servo skull to the remains of the ship's PA, and Corporal Calizo broadcast a general announcement to the civilians of shipfall. The foundry was harbouring a heretic, and the marauders were going to deal with them. Calizo advised all civilians to remain in their homes until the battle ended. With that the marauders began to move up through the ship towards the engines, running across roving packs of servitors unleashed by the foundry to stall their advance. Back in the lookout tavern, the tigers were also preparing for a fight. Realising that the Silver Lining Company's attacks had given the location of the acolytes away to the foundry, they had begun barricading the tavern's entrances. Sylvie came out of the lounge to tell Shah and Anya of the deal with Misaki to gain the aid of the tigers. Observing the tigers at work barricading the tavern, the three acolytes opined that the gang was being excessively cautious until they hear the sounds of pistons and heavy footsteps approaching. Sharing a worried look, the three women swiftly ascended to the second level of the tavern, where, in theory, they should have been out of range of any foundry soldiers. With a horrible tearing of metal, the door to the lookout tavern was wrenched open. 
Three heavy combat servitors lumbered in, each one a ten-foot-tall patchwork of flesh and metal plating, armed with a heavy industrial claw on one arm and a cannon on the other. The acolytes recognized them as being built on the bodies of ogrins, a sub-race of humanity that resemble ogres of ancient myth. Behind the servitors, a contingent of silver-lining company mercenaries, led by Troop Commander Trenton Borridor, awaited any SKPs, but otherwise stood by, happy to let the servitors do their dirty work for them. The servitors opened fire, collapsing the section of balcony on which Sylvie stood. She fell to the floor, falling rubble burying her, while Shah, Anya and the Tigers dove for cover. One of the Ogrin's servitors charged a column supporting the second level and began demolishing it. The other two laid down covering fire whilst being rocked by gunfire from the Tigers. Shah gave support to the Tigers with her psychic powers, throwing off the servitor's aim. While the Acolytes and Tigers had the advantage of numbers, the servitors had armor and heavy firepower, making the fight one of attrition. In desperation, one of the Tigers threw a keycard to Shah, telling her to swipe it against the dais in the VIP lounge. With the angry roars of cannons and monsters behind her, Shah bolted into Irene Misaki's lair and swiped the keycard as instructed, revealing a secret weapon cache containing a plasma pistol and additional ammo. Misaki herself, though, was sitting idly on the couch and sipping tea. Indignant, Shah demanded Misaki's help, which Misaki refused to give. In anger, Shah strode over to the tiger's leader and knocked the tea out of her hands, staining the couch. Misaki glared at her, but with the battle still ongoing, Shah rushed back into the fight and handed the plasma pistol over to Anya, who was the only one familiar with the plasma weapons. Even then, barely. Even the plasma pistol was not enough against the Ogryn servitors, who continued to pour heavy fire on the battered tigers, until Misaki, finally realizing her imminent peril, stepped forth from the lounge surrounded by a corona of psychic energy and sent the brutes flying out of the premises with a powerful blast. Realizing that he and his troops were now hopelessly outmatched against this newly revealed psyker, Trenton Borridor called a retreat, and the Silver Lining Company fell back. The Tigers took a moment to lick their wounds before moving towards the foundry as well. Anya checked on Sylvie, finding the adept with a shattered skull and damaged eye. Using what little first aid she knew, Anya managed to stabilize the acolyte's newest recruit. In the meantime, Shah snuck back into the VIP lounge and stole a few items that had caught her eye. A fancy tea set and a small leather-bound journal that belonged to the ship's navigator before the vessel crash-landed on the planet. The marauders arrived at the entrance to the foundry, which the tech priests had sealed. The tigers arrived shortly thereafter, and the party was reunited. The acolytes met with Misaki, Sister Belinda, and Corporal Kalizo to plan their assault. Breaking through the front door would take too long, so Sister Belinda suggested the Acolytes lead a small team into the foundry through an alternate route, whilst the marauders and tigers kept most of the enclave distracted by attempting to breach the door. 
as the plan was the Acolyte's best chance to intercept Gerard and the Ark Magos. The Acolytes agreed to it. Kalizo had the arena champions go along with them to act as support. Dubbing themselves the Strike Team, the combined force made its way to an airlock and clambered up onto the outer hull of Shipfall, racing along its broken surface to the engine exhausts dominating the back of the crashed vessel. Upon reaching the back of the ship, they rappelled down the exhausts and climbed inside, making their way into the engine decks. Whilst travelling down the tunnel, the strike team came across a squad of murder servitors. The champions engaged them, allowing the acolytes to move on to the end of the tunnel, where they came across a hangar bay. A Valkyrie aircraft modified for void travel was powering up, and nearby, protected by a squad of guards, was Gerard Vasseur, in discussion with none other than Archmagos Lycaon, the very heretic who rules the foundry. The acolytes attacked, managing to wound Gerard before the guards charged them. The Archmagos immediately fled to the safety of the Valkyrie. During the fight, Rosa was grievously injured, but Shah stabilized her with the aid of the Servo Skull accompanying them. Cadis, meanwhile, slew her opponent and moved to engage Gerard as the Valkyrie began to take off. The Acolytes concentrated fire on Gerard, wounding him badly, but the Foundry's lieutenant managed to jump on board the Valkyrie. The ship roared off down the tunnel, carrying the Archmagos and Gerard away to safety. With their corrupt leadership gone, the Foundry forces surrendered. In the aftermath, the marauders brought, and, in a few cases, carried, the strike team to an infirmary, although several of the champions had perished in the fighting. During their convalescence, the acolytes had a visitor, Donu Opi, the trader they encountered shortly after arriving on shipfall. Opi brought them a fruit basket and gave them business cards granting the acolytes discounts in any of the stores he worked at throughout the sector. It was as they prepared to leave Shipfall when Master Johnson arrived, demanding to know what they had been up to, riling up Shipfall despite their mission calling for stealth. When Anya stood up for her team, claiming that their orders superseded Johnson's, the agent shot Anya for her disobedience. In retaliation, Shah tried to psychically assault Johnson, whilst Anya drew the plasma pistol and returned fire. The rest of the party, horrified, immediately moved to restrain Shah and Anya before their superior killed them. With order restored, the Acolytes left Shipfall and returned to the Archive, the Inquisition's headquarters in the Kizin sector, taking Irene Misaki and the Tigers with them. Upon their arrival, Johnson attempted to upbraid Fofris, the senior agent in charge of the Archive, for giving the Acolytes whom Johnson thought were his underlings, a separate mission. Forfris, however, would have none of Johnson's objections, dispatching him to escort Misaki and her entourage to a ship departing the Kizin sector, bound for terror herself. And so did the shipfall arc come to a close. Where did Vasseur and the Ark Magos flee to, and what are their plans? Why did Fofris dispatch Irene Misaki and her tigers to the very heart of the Imperium, Holy Terror? And just why did Fofris assign the Acolytes to Master Johnson, 
whilst giving them a separate mission. It is the way of the Inquisition to seek answers whilst, of course, also keeping secrets. So perhaps we will find out, or not, in the next arc of The Tritone Gambit. The Dark Heresy role-playing game is copyright of Fancy Flight Games and Games Workshop. Warhammer 40,000 and its associated trademarks are all property of Games Workshop. Opening and ending themes were created by Evolutioneer of Fiverr.com. This has been the Triton Gambit, a Dark Heresy fan production.